morning, East Point Church. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 66 through 69. Again, chapter 6, verses 66 through 69. <clears throat> and God's word reads as follows. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, <clears throat> and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Amen. One of the results of the dawning of a new year is the desire for people to want to change habits. There is a, there is a desire to do better and to, to live better or to, to eat better better. It seems like at the beginning of the year, everyone gets focused and, and gets a, uh, makes a concerted effort to, to want to change and to, to do better. What perhaps some of us realize and, and others of us don't is that change, growth, living better, eating better, reading your Bible more, praying more is tied to the choices we make. Our choices make a huge difference. And each and every day, I don't care who you are, you are confronted with a myriad of, of choices, choices that have consequences. Will you choose to get up early and start your day? Maybe perhaps read your Bible or spend time in prayer, or will you hit that snooze button and stay in bed? Will you go back for seconds or be content with the first plate you just cleared? Will you pick up your Bible or will you open up Facebook? Will you study for uh, that test that you have or will you just wing it? These are just a small offering of the choices that we have to face, that we have to make each and every day. And, and brothers and sisters, those choices have consequences. Here's the deal. If, if life is, is made up of a series of choices each day, choices that have consequences, don't you think it would behoove us to think more deeply about how we go about making the right ones, making the right choices? See, when it comes to choices, it is imperative that we know that everyone makes choices based upon their affections. We choose what we think is best for us. We choose what we think will make us happy, what is going to bring us the most pleasure, the most satisfaction. We choose what our hearts want us to choose. Jesus makes this clear 
in Matthew 6 and 21 when he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is communicating to us is that your spending habits tell on you. They give you away. What you choose to spend your money on is what has your heart. Our hearts, therefore, are like, are like a rudder, a rudder that guides a, a big ship. We, we, we turn, or, or in this case, we, we choose we choose what our hearts value, what our hearts are infatuated with. What is your heart infatuated with this morning? What is it that governs your choices? If you have not thought about it, then the choices you make, then your choices are vulnerable to the fickleness of your heart. Your, your choices, are, and therefore your consequences, will fluctuate from day to day. Because our hearts fluctuate. Our text this morning is about the heart. It's about the human heart choosing what it sees as most valuable. Verse 66 starts with the phrase, after this. It's important, it's important that we, we, we get context. After this, after, after what? what? What is John seeking to uh, draw our attention back to? Well, if you have not spent any time in, in John chapter 6, then I want to encourage you to, to do that. John chapter 6 is a glorious chapter in the Bible. I think it ranks right up there with, with Romans 8 and all the and, and, and Hebrews 11, just a wonderful text of Scripture. Great doctrine and great truths that are contained within John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, we have Jesus feeding the 5,000. Oh, it is a it is a miraculous a miraculous miracle that Jesus performs. Not, there weren't just 5,000 there that day. It says that there were 5,000 men. There, there was some estimates around 50, perhaps 15,000 people were in attendance here, and here Jesus feeds them with loaves and fishes. The, the people are amazed at this, this miracle. They, they, they're fed to, to, to overflowing. They are, they are completely satisfied, the text tells us. And they, they see that Jesus has done this, and they want to make Jesus their king. They're, they're so enthralled with this miracle, they say, this man can, can be our king. He can lead us. But Jesus has no intention of, of leading them in that way, being their political king. So he retreats and, and goes to Capernaum. Well, the, the crowd, the, the mass of people Jesus has, has fed, they they hear that Jesus has gone to Capernaum, and, and so they want to follow him there because they, they want more bread. They, they want to see more miracles. They want Jesus for what he can do for them. Well, Jesus, they find Jesus in Capernaum, and they come to Jesus, and Jesus has a different answer for them. He says the bread 
He says, the bread that, that, that you're looking for, I, I, I cannot give you. The, the, the bread of this life, I cannot give you. But I can give you eternal life. I can give you the bread that comes from heaven. In fact, that I am the bread that comes from heaven, Jesus tells them. And he says, if, if you would eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, then you will be granted eternal life. This is where we get to after this. This is what John, this is what John here is dealing with. He gives us commentary beginning in verse 66. And he says, when, when many of his disciples heard this saying, you, eat of, you have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, many of these disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Uh, this, I find this commentary both troubling and also true. It's troubling. It's troubling. I hope it's troubling to you because perhaps you've noticed the word in our text there. It says many disciples, many disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. This is troubling because disciple means, we know it means follower. And so, and so, Jesus, and so John is making a clear point here. There were those who were following Jesus' earthly ministry who from the outside, from, from all appearances, it seemed as though they had bought in. They, they were following Jesus. When John tells us, John tells us that when they heard the saying, many no longer walked with him. It says many, not, not a few, not, not some, but many, many no longer walked with him. Interesting thing is, this did not catch Jesus off guard. He had, he had told them this would be the case in the Sermon on the Mount. Did he not? In Matthew 7, 13 and 14, he said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the narrow gate is uh, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Oh, what a sad commentary that we have here. That many, many upon hearing this hard saying, left Jesus and no longer followed him. This is troubling, but this, this is also true, this commentary. It's true because we, we know of it in our own day. We have, we have seen it in our own day. Many of us, many of us know people like this. Men and women who once from their outward appearance, seemed as though they had bought in. They were following after Jesus, but now they no longer 
walked with him. It, 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 it was revealed that they were simply following Jesus for the benefits. They were hanging around because they believed that Jesus could do something for them. In, in sports, we call these bandwagon fans. As things are going well, as, as many blessings and benefits are coming to teams, well, then people start to jump on. These are bandwagon fans. Many, many, the text says, upon hearing the hard saying of Jesus, no longer walked with him. And it doesn't, notice, it does not say they, they no longer walked with Jesus for a little while, and then later on, they, they kind of came to their senses, and they followed him again. No, John is seeking to communicate to us here that, that they had decided they wanted nothing to do with Jesus. He had offended them to the point where they said, uh, he's not for me. This is, they no longer follow Jesus ever again. They deserted Jesus. They deserted Jesus because he stepped it up a notch. He challenged their allegiance. Were they following him for the bread of this life? Or were they following him for the bread that leads to eternal life? Those many followers that day had a, had a choice to make. And sadly, sadly, they followed their heart. They followed their heart. They wanted Jesus for the bread in this life. And when it was gone or it cost too much, they wanted no part. Oh, crowds are large when the benefits are good. There are a lot of people who say they follow Jesus, but it's because they think the benefits are good. Brothers and sisters, some people in, enjoy, enjoy the, the, the aspect of, of community. So they follow Jesus. They, they, they figure that, that if they come and be part of a church, they, there will be some benefits. There will be networking that can happen. They, they will get ahead in life. It will look good on their resume that they, that they go to church. Some people follow Jesus simply for the benefits. Others hear his teaching and think him to be wise, and they say, well, if I can just follow his wise teaching, then I will progress in life. Jesus is loving, and, and he's compassionate, and so, and so people gravitate towards that. There are many that can follow a loving Jesus who heals people and washes the, the feet of others, but don't let him start bringing up suffering. Don't let him start saying things that challenge your value system, or better yet, make you choose. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If anyone comes after me and does not hate mother, father, sister, brother, wife, cannot be my disciple. 
Let the, the dead bury their own dead. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. When Jesus starts to test value systems, when he starts making you choose, that's when the crowd starts to thin out. Brothers and sisters, the choices matter. The consequences. Sadly, there are those who follow Jesus simply for the benefits. But sooner or later, the heart reveals itself. And it does so when your value system is tested. You must make a choice. And remember, your heart chooses what your heart wants. It chooses what it wants. These false disciples chose the bread of this life. And it came with consequences. But here's the thing. To not choose Jesus doesn't just bring consequences for this life. More importantly, it has consequences for the life to come. No to Jesus now means no to Jesus for eternity. The deserting of Jesus in this life means you are deserting eternal life. Listen, it's true. Everyone, everyone born, everyone born will live forever. Everyone is going to live forever. But not everyone will have eternal life. When the Bible speaks of eternal life, it speaks of a life with Jesus. Eternity outside of Jesus is described as eternal punishment. In Matthew 25 and verse 46, he says, and, and these will go away, those who, who don't uh, feed the poor, as Jesus says, and, and consider the, uh, their, uh, the help their brother when they're in need. He says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. He's setting those as opposites. It's also described as eternal wrath in John 3 and 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. The wrath of God remains on him. Yes, brothers and sisters, eternity waits for us all. But eternal life is reserved for those who choose, who choose Jesus. Because it is in Jesus where eternal life is found. John 17 and 3. And this, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Oh, listen to these glorious words in John 3 and 16. We, we know it all so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Have eternal life. 
1 Timothy 1 and 16, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who believe in him for eternal life. Oh, brothers and sisters, the scriptures are very clear. Jesus is eternal life. And when Jesus takes it up a notch, we want to be the ones that choose Jesus. We we want to, to choose eternal life. We want to choose Jesus. Back to our text says, the seeing that many had left him, Jesus turns to his disciples and he poses a question to them. It is a question of allegiance, a question of uh, uh, affections, a question of what has gripped their, their hearts. He asks them, do you want to go away as well? You don't want to leave too, do you? Disciples at this point, Peter and the other disciples, they had a choice. Follow the crowd or follow Jesus. Follow the crowd or follow Jesus. Choose bread now or choose bread, the bread of eternal life. Peter, Peter speaks up, spokesman for the group. And he answers, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter chose Jesus. You're like me. You're asking, why? Why did, why, did, why did Peter and the disciples choose Jesus? It seemed like everybody else was, was going in the complete opposite direction. They, they were leaving Jesus. The crowds, the many, were leaving Jesus. And this small group of few said, no, we're not going with them. We're going with you, Jesus. Why did Peter Jesus. Because Peter's heart had been changed. His affections had been changed. You remember Peter's good confession? Right? Jesus comes to him and he says, who do people say that I am? And Peter boldly declares that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus tell him? Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed that to you, but only my Father in heaven has revealed that to you. Jesus, earlier in this this text, actually just one verse up from the text that we started, in, in verse 65 says, no one comes to him, in this regard chooses him, unless it is granted to him by the Father. You don't choose Jesus, unless your affections have been changed. 
Jesus changes the affections of his people so that they want to willingly be with him. They, they want, they want, let you choose Jesus because your heart wants Jesus. And God has made your heart want him. No longer follow Jesus because your heart, uh, because the heart wants what it wants. Question becomes how do you know if it has been granted unto you to choose Jesus? How do you know if your heart has been changed? How do you know if it has been granted unto you to believe. Well I, well, I ask you, are you part of the many who have been following Jesus simply for the benefits? And when, and when, and when Jesus turns it up a notch, do you want to turn back and, and no longer follow him? Or are you, or are you like Peter, declaring that you have nowhere else to turn. Brothers and sisters, if you are here this morning and with Peter you are declaring that, that you have nowhere else to go, if you choose Jesus this morning, it is because your heart has been changed. And with that heart change comes faith, sufficiency, and assurance. With that heart change comes faith. Brothers and sisters, faith is belief. God grants us the faith to believe in Christ and to believe him. And this faith enables us to believe despite having all the answers. Peter and the true disciples, like the many who walked away, I am sure thought that eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood was a hard thing. They would think that would be hard to accept. The, 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 the upper, upper room had not happened yet. The Last Supper had not happened yet. They had little context for this thing. But despite their full understanding, they still chose Jesus because they had been given faith to believe in him. But not just faith to believe in him, faith to trust him. We trust that Jesus has what is best for us even if we don't fully understand his ways and his commands. Turn the other cheek. <laughs> Forsake father and mother, seek to lose your life, and so on and so on. Yes, these are all difficult and, and hard to accept things, but we are given faith to not just believe in Jesus, but to trust him. Oh, not only are we granted faith, but, but we are granted eyes to see his sufficiency his sufficiency, and, and, and really the necessity of Jesus. Notice, notice what Peter says in his response. Lord, 
to whom shall we go? You know what Peter did? Peter did simple math. He, he did simple math. I'm, I'm convinced that most of the choices we make in life would be clear-cut if we would just do simple math. Peter quickly realized that to be with Jesus was far better than anything else. <laughs> Not the benefits, but the person of Jesus. One in whom eternal life was found. Peter, in the short time he had spent with Jesus, determined that he was incomparable. Nothing could compare with Jesus. This is the point that the writer to the Hebrews is trying to get across to his, to his readers. Here were these Jewish Christians who were contemplating going back to their old way of life in Judaism. And, and the writer helps them to do simple math. What, what prophets, angels, Moses, Whatever you line up, Jesus trumps them all. He's better. Listen, when Jesus changes your affections, you choose him because he is more glorious. He is more beautiful. He is more satisfying than anything this world has to offer. Where, where are we to go, Lord? Only you can satisfy. Oh. We are granted eyes. We are granted faith. Eyes to see his necessity and his sufficiency. We're also granted assurance. Peter says in verse 69, Lord, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter is sure he has made the right choice. He is confident he has made the right choice. In this, Peter is saying, I have seen with my own eyes. I have ex experienced, I have tested, and I know that you are the Messiah. The Holy One of God was a messianic term. Peter was now sure he was the, the one. He was the long-promised. Messiah, the one who was promised to save his people. This was assurance. It was granted unto him with a changed heart. How about you, brothers and sisters? Do you have assurance that Jesus is who he says he is? A changed heart is sure of that. For it knows in whom it has believed. Peter chose Jesus, and those true disciples that day chose Jesus because their heart had been changed. That heart change brought faith, belief in Jesus, eyes to see Jesus' sufficiency and assurance that Jesus was who he said he was. But, but what helps us in our everyday choices in life is that that changed heart brought Peter perspective. Peter had eternal life perspective. Peter cries out, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have 
the words of eternal life. Peter had eternity in view. He had eternity in view. He chose not to follow the crowd because following the crowd meant eternal wrath. Choosing Jesus meant eternal life. That's what Jesus had told him. Brothers and sisters, this is how we should approach the choices we make every day with eternal life in perspective. 1 Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We are to seize it, choose it, take hold of eternal life. Is the choice I am making going to lead to eternal life or lead to eternal wrath? Is this decision storing up riches in heaven where it is secure or riches on this earth where moth and rust destroy? Choices we make have consequences. Brothers and sisters, the heart chooses what it wants. If you Here's the, here's the, here is the, 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 uh, the wonderful assurance. I pray that you leave here this morning knowing, knowing fully that, that you have eternal life because your heart has been changed. If your heart has been changed, you have been given faith and eyes to behold Jesus. So like Paul to Timothy, I tell you, take hold of eternal life. Value Jesus. Treasure him. Let your heart be infatuated with him. And when Jesus takes it up a notch and asks you if you're going to go away with the crowd, like Peter and the true disciples, if your heart has been changed, you will confess, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I choose life. I choose Jesus. I pray that would be your prayer. I pray that you would this morning choose Jesus. If, if you don't know him, my prayer this morning is that the question has been, has been posed to you. Are you going to follow the crowd? Or are you going to choose Jesus? Are you going to follow the, the bread that, that only satisfies for this life? Or are you going to follow the, the one, the bread that leads to eternal life? Well, I pray, I pray that you would be like Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, who leaving the city of destruction, heading for the celestial city, He's been told of his sin and the wrath and destruction that is to come, but eternal life exists. And that you would flee the city of destruction with, ears over, with hands over your ears crying, eternal life, eternal life. I want to choose eternal life. Give me 